0: Please join
1: Nicole Raviv as we sing together our National Anthem. Oh, can you see by the dawn's early light, what's so proud.
0: That beautiful audio comes from a uh, the National Anthem singing at a hockey game. don't know exactly which hockey game because, well, I've never actually followed hockey ever. I couldn't name you more than, what, Dallas Stars, Detroit Red Wings? Uh, I think there's a team called the Penguins, which I'm not sure why, but there you go. Uh, that's about all I know. Uh, I haven't done anything hockey-related since I played it on um, PS2. And it was like NHL ninety eight or something. So uh yeah, it's been a while. But with uh, professional sports going the direction they've been going, um being the NFL, NBA mainly, uh it might be time to find a new sports. So I've been going towards UFC. We got a huge fight coming up this coming weekend on uh not this coming weekend, the following weekend, August seventh. Uh, some big names in that fight. I'm still catching up. You know, I'm not even going to try to pretend I know anything about UFC. Uh, I know Conor McGregor and I, I know Joe Rogan and I know some of the other big fighters, but uh, I haven't gone, you know, into a deep dive on some serious UFC knowledge, uh, MMA knowledge. But that's probably the direction I'm going to be going if I'm honest. But uh, anyways, that being said, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Like I said, episode 41, my return to not knowing what I'm doing. Um, just a nobody over here talking to my fellow nobodies. Hopefully we can affect some positive change in the world. If not the world, maybe just uh, in the hometown, Bernie, Texas, we'll, we'll find out. But uh, I'm back, hopefully putting out some consistent episodes again, get to episode 50, which was my goal ultimately uh, by now to have been at 50, but we'll get to 50 and that's when we uh, I've got some guests lined up, some people to come on the show, hopefully liven it up a little bit and uh, make this a little bit more fun for y'all. But um, I got some stuff on my heart that I want to spread to y'all. Spread, like what is it? It's the flu. I got COVID over here. I'm going to spread to y'all. No, some things on my heart that I want to um, paint a picture for y'all. And and I paint pictures or or word stories or or brain images, (laughs) whatever you want to call it um i like to look at big picture stuff i'm not the type to just well i am oh let me let me back up from that i totally am the type to obsess and uh overindulge and uh overanalyze just the the, the smallest little topic and, and 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 really deep dive too far you know, like there's there's swimming in the ocean, there's there's diving, and then there's finding some trench and diving down there without a, a light on, and uh, you're going to die. So I don't want to do that. I don't want to obsess over stuff so much because when you obsess, that's when we, we start picking things apart in ways that maybe they don't need to be picked apart that way. And we start assigning blame and, and assigning motives to people in order to fit some kind of string, uh, some thought string in our head. And but when we when we take things from a, a big picture, it's all inclusive. So okay, everybody's got a part to play, and so that, that's that's where I'm trying to to head. Uh, that's the direction I'm heading. Um, we're we're entering a time this year, 2021, where we're we're hearing talk of uh, lockdowns and mask mandates coming out again, and in some states, California mainly, uh, they're already happening. And we've got the vaccine out. Um, so just a quick catch up on that. With uh, the vaccine rolled out, everybody was getting vaccinated. Biden's goal was 70% by what? July 4th, I think. Uh, I think he got to 65% nationwide. Obviously, some states are uh, percentage-wise more vaccinated than others. I live in te- Texas. We're about 50-50. And, uh, but now we got this Delta variant coming out. So now Biden is weighing... Uh, trying to impose mask mandates. They're already encouraging states to impose mask mandates. Some states are complying. Others are not. Uh, Most notably, obviously, Florida, Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis has uh, said that he will not be imposing statewide mandates, leaving it up to local municipalities and and districts to decide how they want to do it in businesses. And and, uh, without getting too far into the weeds on the whole COVID and masks thing, Um, this is what I've been saying all along. This is why small government works. You know, you don't, if if it's a good idea, it should not take the federal government telling the rest of us what to do. If it's a good idea, make your case. The American people are smart and, and honestly, self-serving, greedy, selfish enough to make the right decision for what makes sense on an individual level. Does that, does that make sense? (laughs) No. I feel like sometimes I, I say these things and there's just so much, it makes so much sense in my head, but then I say it out loud and it's like, but there are people who disagree with that. There are people who disagree with freedom. And, and, and that is where I'm heading today is freedom. Um, not murk of freedom, but bear with me, we'll get there. Um, but freedom, politically speaking and, and socially speaking, there are people now who say freedom is not as important as the collective well-being um what's best for society "air quotes" as a whole collective "air quotes" um those are those are i'm not going to call them dog whistles because it, it it sounds like such a pseudo intellectual bs phrase but it's it definitely tells you where the mindset is coming from collective um social uh the the benefit of society as a whole um the 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 work workforce the working man rising up all those thoughts it, it it reaches back to marxism communism socialism where it sounds great you know i'm not arguing that it doesn't sound good it sounds awesome when you, if you and again taking it back from nationwide to local, it sounds great and it it works on a local level when you got a a community that comes together and says, hey, as a community, we're going to do these things to improve our community. That can work when you have a community of like-minded individuals. But when you're talking about a massive nation, massive economy, massive resources, and massive diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of of, uh, intellect, diversity of origin diversity of ethnicities and belief systems and everything religions lack of religion you you can't just do sweeping mandates and not expect to piss off large chunks of that diverse group which is why local power makes more sense um but back to freedom so we're we're, we're getting back into mask mandates we're getting back into lockdowns and things like that so what are we going to do my argument is Masks, COVID, all that, that is not the issue. That is, excuse me, that is the red meat that's been put in front of us. And now I don't think necessarily that there's this giant, or not even giant, but mysterious, hidden in the shadows cabal of billionaires and millionaires who are trying to dominate the world. I don't believe it's that... um, dramatic. I don't think it's that secret. They're telling you who they are. We've talked about World Economic Forum. We've talked about Great Reset. We've talked about that stuff. So I'm not going to go tinfoil hat on you today, but they're out in the open. They're telling you exactly who they are. The people who want to affect change on a global scale, affect uh, political change, policy change, social change, economic change, all of these things that COVID has now uh, brought back into question. As far as what works, democracy, authoritarianism, socialism, what direction are we going to head? A hybrid of the of the three, maybe. Uh, that's what I could see, honestly. But they're not being secret about it. And so the fact that they're not being quiet about what their goals are, and they, I, I hate using um, generic pronouns like that, but they being the people, progressives. We've talked about progressivism, right? Uh, people who, who decide, okay, capitalism is a great engine, but what is it leading us toward? Not more capitalism. It's going to hopefully lead us to a social, uh, socialistic type utopia, um, which again, sounds great when you look at the stated intent. Uh, but what, what always ends up happening is in order to affect that level of change, you've got to give up every ounce of freedom to the people who are pulling the levers and moving the gears of that engine. And by the end of it, by the time we've reached the socialist utopia, uh, there's no more freedom of thought. There's no more freedom of speech. There's no more free elections. It's just pure democracy where, I mean, really through technology, they could be doing whatever they want. Um, once we reach that point and you realize what this lack of freedom has, has cost you uh, on an individual level, it's too late because all the power has been given up. And that's where you end up seeing revolutions and violence Uh, Ultimately, because there's no other alternative right now. We're still in a, in a position where I have a voice and I can use my voice to hopefully affect some kind of change across the world. Um, Or at least to the four and a half people listening. I don't know where the half came from, but it's there. Thanks for being there. Half. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, that was stupid. Um, Masks, COVID, all that stuff. It's red meat. That's what it's thrown in front of us. We're fighting and bickering over it. Um, Vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Uh, January 6th, air quotes, insurrection versus summer of 2020, uh, Black Lives Matter, BLM, Antifa, rioting, all that stuff. We're fighting and we're bickering over this crap. And all it is is bait. It's a distraction. It's static. Uh, I heard that phrase recently, static. And we've got to see through the fog, see through the mist to what what is the real fight? What is the real struggle? What are we really arguing over? My opinion is what we're really fighting over is freedom, individual freedom as a nation. Sure. Maybe we're free as a collective. We're free, but as an individual, as, as, as somebody who has opinions and has thoughts and ideas and, uh, theologies and philosophies and these different things that, that all of us innately have, whether we've, uh, published that or made it public or, uh, even, even really thought about what we believe, we believe in something and it's important to, to, to re- to figure out what that is. And, th- and that's really what this podcast is for me, uh, is, is to have a record of what do I believe and what is my thought press process? How do I get there? Um, I think that's something we all need to, I guess, take upon ourselves to decide what do I believe? Um, But what we're seeing uh, at the the G7 summit, uh, G7, is that right? That doesn't sound right. I need more coffee, but we're going to call it the G7. Maybe it's g G8. I don't know. G13. But (laughs) Biden went and met with all the the world leaders that are members of the G13.5. And one of the things he brought up, which he brought up previously, I believe, right after the election, same exact phrasing, go figure. but it goes hand in hand with this great reset, build back better thing that's happening worldwide. And it, it, he's questioning if democracy can work. He's not saying, well, I wonder if democracy can work. He's not that stupid. No, he's saying, we are in this point in time where we are we are having to dis, to discover, to figure out, does democracy work over authoritarianism? And saying that on an international platform some people who are a little bit more uh lenient on president joe biden might say well he's just putting the question out there because that w- we need to prove that democracy works and, okay benefit of the doubt sure maybe but what it feels like from somebody i don't necessarily believes he loves america the way i love america the way um america traditionally has been loved, you know, land of the free home of the brave. We, we love our country, patriotism, seeing the flag wave. I don't see that in him, which leads me to believe that bringing up that question, you know, if I were to bring that up in a speech, it'd be like, we're at a point in time where we got to, we're being, you know, democracy is being tested. Uh, can it really work better than authoritarianism? I would cut off any speech right there and be like, obviously, A democratic republic, constitutional-based republic like the United States is the best way. That's what has worked. That is what has brought us here. Blah, blah, blah. I'd make the distinction very well known, especially on the world stage. But he didn't take that opportunity. So that's the struggle we find ourselves in. It's not to prove if freedom works. Because freedom works. When you are free to do what it is you want passionately believe you're supposed to do. That's when a society functions as it's supposed to. Um, And I know I'm going down the weeds here and I'm I'm trying to get through this paragraph as fast as I can, but I, I, you know, I think we were raised from a a wartime mindset to, to, you know, American dream isn't being happy. The American dream is graduating high school, going to college, getting a degree, finding a job, and sticking it out in that career long enough to retire and hopefully have some money at the end of that to retire off of get an RV, go see Niagara Falls. And that's supposed to be the American dream. And to me, that sounds boring as shit. Not because I don't want to do that stuff, but because I want to do that now. You see what I'm saying? Like We've been taught as millennials, as young people, that that level of freedom doesn't come until after we've put our time in, and now it's time for society to give back to us, and for society to take care of us. And that to me just, it it sounds so pathetic. It sounds so subservient to a system. Hopefully it all works out for us. So many people though, saw in the market crash in 08, suddenly 401k balances are at zero. Or drastically um, uh, depreciated from what they should have been, the money that had been saved and invested, and so all these things, I, I I'm realizing that the definition of freedom that I've had in my head is is not what I really believe is supposed to be. And what do I mean by that? Well, I just explained that you know the American dream miss. Um, it almost feels like a misdirection, but it wasn't intentional. I don't think my parents intentionally misled me, but I think that that was the world that they grew up in. And that's the world that I came out of. And so now I'm realizing, well, just because that's how I was raised doesn't necessarily mean that's how I'm supposed to live my life as an adult. And I know I'm freaking 30 years old and I'm just realizing this. I know I get it. I've had this conversation with my brother and he's like, welcome to the freaking club, bro. Uh, anyways, um, speaking of my brother, uh, he will be a guest, hopefully a returning guest on the on the podcast. Once we cross that episode fifty threshold, that's going to be some fun times because uh, yeah, we can philosophize the crap out of anything. So stay tuned for that. But um, anyways, freedom works. We were taught to just put our head down and do whatever it takes to put money into a four hundred one k, have health insurance, and and be taken care of through our job. But to me. That's not necessarily freedom. And that's maybe the the entrepreneur side of my brain. I'm not bold enough necessarily to call myself an entrepreneur yet, but that entrepreneur side of my brain, that's like, okay, yeah, I can go over here and earn this much per hour. But if I did this at scale, I could earn just as much money in putting in half the time or earn double putting in the same amount of time. It's just, you know, anyways, that is freedom to me so the struggle that we're in right now is not to prove if freedom works but it it's to resist enough that it's no longer feasible to try to limit human freedoms and what i mean by that is we we only can lose as much freedom as we as we let go of and that's that's what has been happening in america from year to year from presidential term to presidential term it's just chipping away a little bit more at our freedoms. The things that we used to agree were God-given rights endowed upon us by our creator that no man can take away shall not be infringed. And yet here we are, and our rights are disappearing. And now many on the left, progressives, would say, ah, your rights aren't disappearing. You own a gun. You're still, you're still allowed to have a gun. But that's kind of the point, right? We're allowed a shell of our freedoms something huge just came out in the news here recently uh, during the time away from the podcast was Joe Biden saying, you know, if, if you're, if you're hanging to your guns because of, you know, that's your, your ability to overthrow your government. He said, well, that's not the case because if you, if that was what the second amendment amendment was about, well, then you would need F-15s and nukes effectively saying that if people rose up against the United States federal government, Nuclear option would be an option. F-15s could be used against the American citizens. Now, I don't know if he meant for it to sound that way, but that's exactly how it came out. And And to me, it is indicative of what lies in his heart, which is we are here to stay. The power that we have right now is only going to increase, if anything. And you better just shut up about it. And so what I mean by resisting enough that it's no longer feasible to try to limit freedoms. I mean live free. And I mean that live free. If there's a definition in your head of freedom, what, you know, if I could just do this, I would feel free. And you've really thought it through. You've planned it out and you realize this is doable. And this is what freedom would mean to me. Live free. Freedom works. But it works for the people. It works for the individual. It works for the family and for the community. Big government doesn't like freedom. Big government, career politicians who are now worth millions um, because of their political position, they hate individual freedom. Because any plus to individual freedom is a negative. It's a red to their power and ultimately i don't think that all of them want that power because they want they want to rule the world you know they don't want to be you know dominate not world domination over here some of them maybe they they have that look uh, some of them it's like wow you are just such an unattractive person the only way that you could have ever risen in popularity anywhere is if you were just that damn determined to have power uh because nobody likes you um not pointing any names uh <clears throat> But they want control. And where does that lead me? That leads me to, it's not just a, you know, maybe this will happen. It's, this is happening. These these mechanisms, these, these, I don't know, even know, these pathways to more control by the state, big S, it's happening. It's happening in America at a slower pace because of who we are as a people. But it's happening across the ocean in China which is really becoming the model for the world. technologically uh i mean the the violence in china as far as you know there's no gun violence because people can't own guns. you know it, it's this it is what i believe is the result from pursuing a t- some type of a socialist utopia a, a pure democracy utopia which is um another topic we've talked about that pure democracy versus constitutional democratic republic which is what we have um so and i've brought up social credit score that's what i'm going to talk about very briefly hopefully i'll try (laughs) um to me it was first introduced in an episode of black mirror which i understand it's just a show it's netflix i know but the dude who wrote it was like, listen, I can't write these episodes anymore because it's all happening. Uh, and, and, and this specific episode was not based in China, but it is based off of the Chinese model, which is happening now. And a social credit score, a social credit ranking, think about your, your financial credit score. And, okay, that opens up possibilities for loans or it disqualifies you to receive a loan. Um some jobs want you to have a certain credit score. Some apartments will want you to have a certain credit score. Well, that's all financial based. That's that's completely separate from who I am as a person, what I believe politically, how I treat my fellow American. What we're migrating towards is social credit rankings, which are going to, uh, which is just one piece of the ESG scores, which is what economic, social, and uh, I forget what the G is like global. I don't remember. Anyways. We're being ranked on how we, who we are. Not what we do with our finances and how we treat our money, but who we are as an individual. And so apply the same limitations of a credit score, a financial credit score, and apply those limitations to a social credit score, and what you've got is an authoritarian utopia. So listen to this. This is from Rebel News, which I believe is out of Canada. And if you're hearing that static, I have no idea what the hell that is, and it's really taking me off. Um, so I apologize. I gotta maybe switch out microphones or something. Um, hey, if you're wanting to start a podcast, uh, I've got sure microphones, pretty cheap. Got them at my local uh, music and audio store here in Bernie, uh, right there on Main Street. Very, very low cost, hundred something dollar uh, audio mixer with two inputs. Um, garage Band on my MacBook. And another app I paid like seventy five bucks for to uh, to bring Safari into GarageBand. Very simple to do. YouTube tutorial, tutorials all over the place. DM me on Instagram. It's at uh, Friday underscore Detox. My personal at B Esparza seventeen um, eighty seven, and and I'll 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 get you hooked up and um, get you get you publishing. But uh, anyways, uh, so here's some audio from Rebel News out of Canada and they're talking about big tech's chinese style social credit ranking growing in the west this is with uh, Ezra Levant
1: Dear passengers people who are traveling in china will behave disorderly a small public areas will be punished according to regulations. Follow the relevant regulations and help with the orders on the train and at
0: the station. So I could totally see this being like kind of a spoof. I saw uh, some the other day where somebody had hacked into the uh, the audio on a train or something but this is is what it's moving towards. So whether this is 100% accurate for right now or if it's just kind of mocking where things are heading, this is where things are heading. It's already been put into place in China. Uh, they've already got the social credit scores. They've already got the limited internet um, through Google. Thank, thank you, Google for providing China, Google, and the limited spreading of information and free thought. That that's where we're heading. And so, all of this is coming from government and air quotes big tech. Um. But really what it is, is that it is a collusion between government and private industry to essentially fix the game and to say, yes, free market, that's great as long as we can make money. But you know, from a capitalistic standpoint, the way to make more money is, well, exactly where America is at now, which is crony capitalism, which is not pure free market capitalism. It is... I got to check the right boxes, have the right connections to DC and to my local, uh, state government, things like that. And let's put up all these roadblocks of, okay, you got to have this license, this certification, you got to get approved by this, this, and this agency. All of that is one, it makes money for the government, but then two, it's barriers to entry. It's a way to prevent outside influence. And so you don't want that. That's not freedom. Um, so let me submit to you that government is the problem, big government, not your local, uh, you know, like sometimes here in, in Bernie, it's, it's a very, uh, wealthy town here in Texas, just North of San Antonio. Um, but at the same time, it is small town and I'll, and I'll pass my city mayor at HEB, the grocery store at Home Depot or at Walmart or filling up my truck at the, the shell station, you know, that's how tight knit it is. And so in a, in a tight knit community like that, the mayor's not going to do something so unpopular that when he's filling up his tank, he's going to have to see the repercussions of his decisions face to face with his constituents. That's the beauty of smaller government. And so, all right, getting back to, back to the notes, government being the problem, means it's not us. It is not the fellow citizen. It is not my neighbor. We used to agree on that. Instead, we've taken the bait and we're fighting each other. And all that does is it keeps the powerful corrupt in power and allows them to be corrupt. But that flies in the face of pretty much everything that's being pushed on us right now. Right now it's medically, you are not capable of seeking out good medical advice. So trust us, trust our experts and our experts say, even though you're vaccinated, put a mask on, but at the same time, and I have to be careful here, government's a problem. Yes. But I've also mentioned how our government is by, of, for the people. That doesn't mean we have to overthrow the government just because that that's the bad actor right now. It just means we need need to make our case better. We need to make our point better. We need to help wake up our fellow citizens to, and, and, and I say wake up, not convert, not evangelize them to our particular brand of politics. I mean, trigger that, that intellectual curiosity in people and in our kids. Teaching our kids how to think, not what to think. Question everything. Even what the so-called experts say, the experts that have been flip-flopping on every major issue of our modern time. And we're seeing the effects of that. We're seeing parents uh, really rising up and taking back power from school boards who are trying to mask up their kids. Um, Freedom is waking up. To me, that's the news of the day. Where there's government overreach, there are freedom loving humans waking up and demanding an end to the fear mongering, the race baiting, the media corruption. It's happening all over the world. You don't see it necessarily on CNN and whatnot because they don't want to show that. They want to show people falling in line, <laughs> listening to the experts that come on CNN and MSNBC and, and, you know, fall in line like good little children. But that brings me to my ultimate point. And that is what, what I've talked about. I talked about it in episode 40, humbling ourselves. That is my goal with the podcast, um, even further defined. Not to evangelize, but to wake up my own side, air quotes, side, to our own mess, our own filth, our own pride. The things that keep us from truly connecting with our fellow American in a way where we could stumble across the, the right ideas, the right philosophies, the right political uh, incentives, and things like that. We're not discussing what the correct way to do things is because we're so busy defending our own stance and position and opinions. We have to humble our hearts and remember how to love our enemies. We've forgotten how to love thy neighbor. Instead, it's beat thy neighbor in a Twitter war. Convert thy neighbor to your personal brand of faith or politics. But, ju- you know, if we're people of faith, which that, that is the people I'm speaking to right now. If we're people of faith, we have to remember to remove the stick from our own eye first and lead by example. Not with a megaphone, not with loud speeches, not with viral videos on social media but with action, daily action in our daily lives and by faith. Because it's by faith, that's the point. Faith is humbling. Faith is acknowledging I don't have the tools to control this situation. And it is by faith so that none of us can boast about what we've done. That's the point. We are the decision makers in this world. We decide who goes to Washington, D.C., We decide who goes into political power and how much power that position has. We decide the quality of our own lives. And so it's time to stop blaming those at the top of power and influence for our issues down here in the middle class, the average working citizen. Because as as much as I'd like to blame them, if we claim to be Bible-believing Christians, we are told to blame internally first. We are told not to blame, not not to um, beat ourselves up, but to recognize the faults that lie within our own souls, within our own hearts, and then use that internal cleansing fire to effect change outwardly. But I mean, no matter how you visualize it. We are instructed to start first with the speck in our own eyes. And I remember learning growing up that 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 word in the ancient, the original Hebrew uh, that that has been translated to speck is actually more like a stick, like a two by four, like a a beam of wood. Remove that obvious issue going on in your own life before climbing up on your high horse and, and trying to tell other people how to live their lives. And and we're we're so quick to decide, oh, I got it figured out. As insecure and as unsure and as backwards as we know our lives are at times, I mean th- that's like that's like going to some commercial financial advice place and finding out that the dude telling you how to invest your money is, you know, thousands of dollars in debt and hasn't earned a single penny on e-trade. <laughs> you know, and it's like No, dude. I think you need to figure out your own crap before you start trying to give other people advice. Or or we've all been in this situation, um, somebody who's been through multiple divorces or is going through a new boyfriend or girlfriend every other week, and then they try to give relationship advice, and it's like, you know, I don't even think you should figure out yourself first. I think you need to seek advice from somebody who's actually good at what they're doing. Um, But that brings me back to freedom. And this is where I'm deviating, and I'll get super detailed about this on another episode, but this transition in my brain from political murka um, eagle screeching in the background freedom to spiritual freedom, because really what I'm discovering in my own life is that my desire to be free, to do these things, to be financially free or politically free or socially free or, or whatever, um, it only increases the more I focus on my spiritual freedom. And that's where I think I might have said this in episode 40, but I heard in a sermon one day um, a quote, and I can't remember who the, who the guy was who said this quote, but you cannot rule a Bible-believing people. Because that, that longing for freedom that stems from being spiritually free from, from not having that weight on your soldier, your shoulders of eternal condemnation, when that's gone, when you realize, I am spiritually free, I know where I'm going, and I believe that if I don't know what the right decision is to make here, the morally right decision, that I, I have some backup, I have some guidance. To make the right decision and forgiveness if I don't and so from that spiritual freedom other freedoms become not only desirable but necessary you know I need to be politically free in order to exercise my religious rights to worship how I want to worship or not worship Um, I need to be socially free To be able to speak out and say, hey, I think this is wrong, or I think this is right, morally speaking, and not have an authoritative state coming down saying, hey, you can't say that. And COVID has been the perfect engine for an increase in governmental power. But, and and if I sound out of breath, it's because I've been chasing my freaking cats around, and they're pissing me off because all they do is fight. And I just want them to fly away. Anyways. But as much as we insult our government for not having their priorities right, we as Christians and as the church in general have allowed the same. We prioritize lights and smoke machines and getting on talk shows and writing books that, that somehow end up New York Times bestsellers. And having large social media followings. And we prioritize those things over the actual mission that we were given by Jesus. Which is to go out into all the world and spread the gospel. The good news that we are spiritual free. Spiritually free. We are free. But that's not what we're doing. We're evangelizing non-believers. Air quotes non-believers. Instead of evangelizing them to the faith... By setting a good Christ-like example, we're stooping down to their level and bickering and arguing over politics and BS arguments that really have no place in eternity. But how do we seize hold of our spiritual fortitude? And how, how do we discover not only how to use our voice and our talents, but toward what purpose are we supposed to use those spiritual gifts for? I believe I have a gift of being fair, of, of trying to see things through both sides and say, well, here's how the Trumpers are being loud and obnoxious and annoying and unfair, but then here's how the progressives and liberals are also doing the same thing. And realizing that there are outliers, there are extremities on both sides, but the majority of us live in the middle and it's, it's how do we agree on big things? But when we can't agree, how do we disseminate that power down to the local level so that we can live in a world that we want to live in? And maybe the world I want to live in is a town right next door to another town that isn't how I want to live. That's how it's supposed to work but we're not doing that. So what's the goal? How do we get there? And really what role will I play in eternity? And that brings me to really some inspiring audio. I want to play from you from none other than Joe Rogan himself, um, talking about doing what it takes. And now this is obviously more from kind of a business standpoint, you know, um, quitting your job and going to do something that that fulfills you um, as a full-time gig. But you can apply that to whatever it is. I can apply it to this podcast. I'm not making any money off this podcast, but it fulfills me. And it makes me feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose for being on this earth, at least to a degree, until I discover more ways to fulfill that same purpose. Um, but listen to this audio. It's a little long, but bear with me. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I Definitely got a lot out of it. This one's the three minute clip. There was like an eight minute clip I wanted to play, but that's just too much uh, for this podcast. That's basically the rest of the time I have left to talk. (laughs) And that would be a shame if you had to go without that last eight minutes of me talking. But here's Joe Rogan talking about quitting your job. Most men live lives of
1: quiet desperation. It's one of my favorite quotes ever because it's true. Just you're just in this world where you just can't wait to just run away. But I think one of the reasons why these people have this deep seated anger and resentment is there's a bunch of people out there that have these lives that are deeply unsatisfying because I think there are so many people that are working all day long doing something that is deeply unsatisfying and, and almost painful to yeah, them. Yeah, soul killing. Soul killing. Yeah. They're stuck in traffic all day and then they're stuck in a cubicle after that. They they, they, they relish the time to take a sh- in the bathroom and look at their phone. I mean, they literally do that. That's a, a highlight of someone's day. They get in traffic on the way home, they get home after that, they're watching television. I think If people have a regular day job, if you could just find some one thing that you do as a passion project and just keep building on it, just keep at, keep watering it, keep adding fertilizer, keep giving it attention, keep giving it focus, and you can escape. You can escape and you can be self-serving. You could be okay. You're gonna be okay. Look, man. For making furniture feels good. If you can do that, you could you could cut those corners perfectly and sand everything down nice and stain it and then it's done and you get this satisfaction and you sell it to someone and that pays your bills. That is infinitely more satisfying than being stuck in some f-ing cubicle working for someone that you don't want to work for, having to have these stupid f-ing office meetings, talking to people in human resources, sitting down with your supervisor where they evaluate your job performance. And, you know, you're not really, you know, you, you really need to be enthusiastic about this company. This company is your future. This kind of like, you're like, kill me now. You know, there's a lot of people out there that would way rather do something else. And I hope they understand that they can. And people that are trapped in bad situations, one of the problems is you feel like this is your future and you can't get out of that. There's no hope. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no rainbow. And if you feel like that, that alone can be incredibly defining and limiting. But if you can look at, if you look at yourself objectively and say, okay, I'm in credit card debt. I'm working in a shitty job. I, I I don't like what I'm doing, but I have some ideas. I need to feed those f- ideas. and I, fee- I, I need to feed them and water them. And I need to set aside a certain amount of time every day to just try to make those things happen. You can do that. Everyone has a different personality. They have different, different interests, different, different things that they would be really satisfied pursuing, that's not encouraged. What's encouraged is go find a job. What's encouraged is go find some place that you can shove yourself into. Go find a square hole that you can stick your round peg and just jam it in there and shave down the top and the bottom so you slide in with all this extra space on the sides and feel like for the rest of your life because you need a job because you're in debt because you have credit cards because you have student loans because that's what everybody does and so you do it too that's what's wrong
0: i love that um and after listening to that version the eight minute version is way freaking better so i encourage you to to check that out there's a lot of different compilations of joe rogan's audio i love the guy he's so just optimistic because he really is living the free life. You know, he's doing exactly what he wants to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, and he might, he would, he probably argue with that. He'd say, well, I do have to sit in board meetings and do these things that I don't want to do. But the ultimate goal is his passion. His passion projects are his lifestyle. And that's beautiful because it's not selfish. It's not, um, I just want to do what I want to do and screw everybody else. It's not what it is. It's, How can I best contribute? How can I best give back to society? It's not by doing something that's going to fill me with resentment and make me feel like, God, this is freaking boring. It's going to make me feel great, which is going to make me want to do it even more and make me do it even better. And same for you. If if your passion is music, that's why I have so much uh, appreciation for musicians who have made it, who've gone through those periods of doing it at night after a long shift and then going back to work after their gig and scrapping together some money, but hopefully selling a couple CDs at the same time. Um, I have so much respect for that. And so it's just applying that to your life. What it is that you're supposed to do to give back to society, to influence society and what you feel in your heart is a positive direction. Um, And then finding the avenues to do that. And ultimately what the roadblocks that we run up against the the brick wall that I run into all the time is just time you know um, the time is a very difficult thing to master and it's something I have not mastered I'm not even close to it but it's something I'm trying to where it's how do I set aside time to where it, it's not eight hours a day I'm focusing on everything and I'm so scatterbrained that I forget everything it's how do I focus on what I'm supposed to focus on for this? section, this block of time for this 30 minutes or for this first hour of my morning, I'm going to focus on my emails. I'm going to focus on my clients. And then by eight o'clock, I'll focus on other work stuff. Uh, Getting disciplined and having self-control to accompany the motivation that I believe most of us have. um, It's just that discipline. So with Joe Rogan's audio, that, that led me into Kind of a a spiritual close, some some encouragement for you here before we get to the one hour mark, and then I'll let you go. Um, and, and keeping in in line with this theme of humbling ourselves, God calling on us as Christians to humble ourselves before looking outward to the rest of the world to fix their issues. Um, I think we look at a lot of these scriptures that talk to us that promise us that you know God is con- is in control. We already have the victory. God's got it and they fill us with good encouraging feelings and we should be encouraged by that because it is encouraging but at the same time those exact same scriptures those exact same encouraging words are also humbling because how quickly we, f- we forget that it is not us in control we claim victory drop the mic and forget about the one who just said that he was in control God's in control when we don't know what to do, but then as soon as we're like, oh, okay, I got it. I got it figured out. Then it's look at me, beat my chest. I'm the one who figured this out. So while we're encouraged by God's control, we should also be humbled. And bringing that back to the political realm, keeping in line with spiritual freedom, but also political freedom, the other freedoms that come in line with that. It's no wonder that there are so many in our world right now who are romanticizing this idea of... Of burn it all down start over it's done it's corrupt it's it's broken this broken thing needs to be taken down and we need to rebuild the way that we're supposed to build back better and i've been saying this for a while it's something that's been on my heart for a while and i feel like i finally found words or i was given words to to say it out loud but this hatred of America, our values, our traditions and our institutions, the things that America has always kind of been as far as how we look at our fellow man, how we treat our fellow American, the sudden hatred of it, it feels to me like nothing more than like a coping mechanism, like an admission of defeat and ultimately a lack of hope it's it's a a white flag this surrender and it's coming from a group of people not living according to the values that make us free but more importantly those values keep us free now freedom is a renewable resource but it has to be constantly fed and watered and cared for and looked after like a small child It'll wander. It'll do things it's not supposed to do. But like parents, our devotion has to be not to the to the child's momentary happiness, but to far-reaching long-term freedom. And if we, we apply that to our political philosophies and, and how we approach policy, long-term always has to be our focus. Because if you're not focusing on the long-term... You're just focusing on the short term. Well, then you're giving power to politicians to fix a short term problem, but not thinking about how that same power now and precedent of use of that power can be abused and misused, mishandled in the future, long term speaking. So in closing, for real this time, how do we square our personal ambition with following God's plan for our lives? I'll ask it again, and I'll give you what I believe to be the answer. So how do we square our personal ambition with following God's plan for our lives? And I think the answer lies in another question. Do you believe that God loves you as an individual, apart from his love for us as a creation? as an, On an individual level, do you believe that God loves you and wants the best for you? If you don't, that's, a, that's another hurdle to, to overcome, um, spiritually speaking, obviously speaking to people who have a belief or, or faith in God. But if you believe that God loves you, why would you believe that he would throw something in your direction that you couldn't handle? Or why would he, just like me with this podcast or me with social media, I'm so terrified of getting in front of a camera. And I'm oftentimes very unsure of myself when I'm speaking fact. Um, But why would God put this longing on my heart for these things if he wasn't going to equip me to do them? Because I do believe he loves me. I do believe God loves us. I believe he loves you as an individual, as who you are. You were created on purpose to be who you are. And so that brings me to the close. What are you going to do? How do you think the world should be? And what are you going to do to do your part to push it in that direction? It could be diametrically opposed to how I believe the world should function. But I still think that you should pursue it 100% with every bit of your heart. Because if that is what is pushed or, or placed on your heart as ambition, as passion, The world can only benefit from you doing what it is you believe you were meant to be here for and that'll contribute to the balance of ideas of back and forth of experimentation there's so much that comes out of that so my prayer for you and for all of us is that we'll get to this to the end of this race called life and we'll be able to say thank god it was all worth it i pray that our eyes will be blessed to witness the fulfillment of these things that we, we we preach about and we speak about and we believe in and we pray for. Because I'm realizing that our God, that God loves a dramatic entrance. He loves to let it get down to the wire. And I think to, to give his kids an opportunity to stay true and, and to, to feel that our faith is being tested and that we overcame. To give us that moment of, you know, maybe this is all going to be for nothing. We see it all the times in movies. That it's an idea that these filmmakers who write these scripts know is going to resonate with people's heads and people's hearts. Is this, this belief that, or this hope that if we got to that situation of where A, decision A is death, decision B is life. And no matter how hard decision B is, that we would take that road because that's what's going to ultimately be the best. And if it doesn't work out that way, then life isn't worth living anyways. That's a dramatic example, but I think that God wants us to have that feeling of maybe it's all going to be for nothing, but I'm going to fight anyways because this faith is all we have. And and personally speaking, I won't speak for you, but faith is the hill that I want to die on. I want to exercise my faith on a daily basis and see what happens. And I can't think of a better hill to die on really, because ultimately it's going to, it's going to prove, you know, if I, what I believe in is, is worth believing in, or if it's a pile of crap. And uh, Jordan Peterson said it, I heard a video the other day, there's the belief that truth will out. And that even if the truth ends with an unfavorable outcome, it is still better than whatever the outcome would have been apart from truth. So that's what I'll leave you with. Uh, I encourage you to um, take time to think, take time to pray, put yourself in those quiet positions, those quiet places where maybe God can speak to you. Maybe God can impart a little bit of wisdom on you or, you know, give you some peace about a, a decision or a situation and, uh, whether it's meditation or however you do it, yoga, working out, shooting, uh, hiking, whatever it is that, that allows you to escape your everyday stressors and allow God to come in and maybe do nothing. Maybe just sit there with you in silence. I think you'll be amazed from the peace that comes from just that simple act. So do with that what you will, but no matter what you do, no matter what your, um, entertaining yourself with or engaging with other people be kind to one another be compassionate remember that a day in somebody else's shoes may look completely different than what your life looks like and everybody's got their own issues to deal with and it's not up to us to either fix them or tell them to get over it it's it's up to us to be examples of how to live by faith so do with that what you will i will hopefully be back next week for another episode episode 42 we're going to get to 50 and then we're going to get some people on the show and we're going to start talking if you would like to be on the show if you got a story to tell or you got a passion that you want to share with us let me know again dm me uh the the podcast on instagram is at friday underscore underscore detox at friday underscore detox my personal is at b esparza 1787 dm me on instagram that's about all i do right now And, uh, we'll get you on the show and and we'll spread some positivity. So take care, have a good weekend, be safe, and uh, we'll see you back here next week.